Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Today's episode is thanks to our Patreon members and our affiliates and partners. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to join our membership or donate to the podcast and stay tuned to hear about some amazing deals and discounts from our partners, including Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. But for now, we're getting right to the show. Enjoy. Hi, fans and listeners. Lindsay Cortez here, your host of the podcast and owner of Rise Up Nutrition. I'm so excited for our guest today, Grayson Murphy. She's somebody I've been following from a distance as a fan for a while now. So for those who don't know, Grayson Murphy is a professional runner on roads, track, and trails. She's currently sponsored by Saucony. However, prior to becoming a runner, Grayson was actually a D3 soccer player for a year, and then she made the switch to competitive running, which was really motivated by her desires to be on a team and make friends. And then since then, she's just seen some amazing accomplishments in her running career and PRs, including being a five-time All-American at the University of Utah making multiple U.S. finals, finishing sixth in the U.S. Olympic trials in 2021 with a 925 steeplechase. She was the 2019 World Mountain Running Champion and 2019 and 2021 U.S. Mountain Running Champion. And she recently completed a very fast 110.34 half marathon just this year. So outside of running, Grayson has graduated with her Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering from the University of Utah. She's currently pursuing a master's of sustainable natural resources from Oregon State University. And along with chasing her running dreams and career goals, Grayson is also an entrepreneur. She created in 2018, she created a single hand-drawn bullet journal for herself, which blossomed into a business of creating and selling training logs and planners for others that honor both the athlete and non-athlete in each of us. Grayson, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I really love just in reading your bio too. It's like, oh, here you are just this successful runner. But like, I I love that you embrace all the aspects of your life that's non-athlete as well. Whether it's the, you know, focus on your schooling and career and this entrepreneurial side of you. Maybe just to dive deep into a topic right away. Like how important is that to you to be more than a runner? Oh, so important. I think, like you kind of said in that running is a new identity to me when you compare that to a lot of the other things that I've done in my life. Mm. So that was kind of a good perspective to have when I was like, well, here's just like a new identity, but this isn't like all of me because I have all these other things that I've done for so long up until the age of 19 when I started running and added that one in. So I think that was like a good thing to have that I've tried to keep with me as I'm a lot more than that and always have been and always will be. Mm-hmm. I would just love it. It's, it's you know, great that you have that perspective yourself and just remembering just identity in general. Like we can have an identity, but you actually can have multiple, you know, identities and the importance of that and not getting hooked onto just one thing, allowing yourself to grow and expand. Yeah. And maybe taking it back then to, you know, that shift where like, oh, actually running is almost a newer identity (laughs) for you, Mm -hmm. but you were always active and an athlete and you did play a year of collegiate soccer. So what was your youth participation in sports like? Yeah, so I have a twin sister. So we did like a lot of sports together and 
we didn't do actually like a ton of organized sports. We did play soccer and basketball and t-ball cheerleading at one point like we tried gymnastics we got like a sprinkling of things but I think Mm -hmm. most of our like athletics experience came from like outdoor recreation Mm -hmm. so like we went camping and hiking a lot with our parents we went skiing with my dad a lot just always outside on bikes doing stuff so we had kind of like two different experiences Mm -hmm. with sports but I think that's kind of today why I still enjoy doing all of those things because I grew up doing that. And yeah, like my sister now plays flag football and basketball and pickleball. And she's like all into it as an adult still too. So I think we're both just kind of like that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's it's interesting when we say the word sport, and we think of those traditional like basketball, soccer, which are awesome sports, but there's also this like, just outdoor recreation, I shouldn't even say outdoor, just recreation aspect, you know, and I guess that's where we, you know, with quotes around it saying active lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. <laughs> We're always doing something. <laughs> always doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing you did play soccer in high school. Yep. Yeah. So then at some point, my sister and I got really competitive with each other. So my parents were like, we can't do this. You have to each pick your own sport and like let each other have that sport. So yeah. she picked basketball and I picked soccer. And that was about probably seventh or eighth grade. And then we kind of diverged. So then I played competitive soccer on like a club team and high school team all through Mm -hmm. high school and playing in college was the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. I can't imagine. I have sisters and that was competitive enough, but they're a different age than me. So I can't (laughs) imagine, you know, having a twin. And (laughs) it's funny how your parents dealt with that. Of like, you guys have to pick different Uh, sports. We're not doing this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then in college, you did shift over. And, and as you've shared publicly before, like this wasn't even necessarily like pursuing running for the sake of running, but more so from like a social aspect. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that? And like, I don't know, sorry if I'm misreading into this, but like, what were you not getting in soccer that made you want to switch? Yeah, I think it was It wasn't like I left soccer thinking I'm going to go do running. I just, soccer in college wasn't like it was in high school. And that was a pretty big shift for me. I just wasn't having fun with it anymore. It got to where it was like really competitive, but the joy was kind of gone. And I think I was just burnt out of the sport in general. Because I'd been doing exclusively soccer for six or seven years at that point, all year round. And yeah, I think, yeah, it just wasn't all I hoped it would be in college. So I picked a school, Santa Clara, to transfer to for their engineering program. And because it was in uh, California and I thought, wow, well, the weather will be amazing. Like who wouldn't want to go to California? And then I'd already committed to going there and I was like, yo, I don't want to be on a in a sorority And I didn't really know how to make friends like outside of being on a team. I'd always been on a team with things growing up. So I thought, well, I could just try and get on a team, I guess. And I like looked at their athletics page and track was feasibly the only team I could try out for with zero experience. So I was like, well, worth a shot. Like I'll ask the coach and they were like, sure. And it was a D1 program. So I think it was a little like, are you just walking on? Like there wasn't even really a tryout. I just like showed up and was like, can I run for you? But I had run a 400 and 800 in high school as like a bet to our friends (laughs) at one of the track meets. So I had like two times I could give them that were like proper, like at a race time. And they were like, great, you're on the team. And that was it. And that's all I needed. (laughs) It didn't take much convincing. And yeah, I kind of just learned a lot from there, but yeah. yeah, to have friends was the main goal. Yeah, I really love that. There's nothing wrong. I think a lot of people can resonate with that burnout, you know, of whether it's I'm playing competitively all throughout high school and, and it's just, or we have these dreams or mm-hmm. we envision what we think like competing collegiately will be like. And and for some of us, it's not what we thought it would be. And that's totally okay. I think your like recognition of, I want to, like, sure, just because I've dedicated four or five years to this or more, but like, needs to be something that brings me joy is so important. 
And then, yeah, it's like, okay, I could go join the theater club or I could (laughs) go, you know, or like be a part of a team. And whether that's a division one track team, which I do have to say is something I do love about about the sport of track and field at the high school and collegiate level is typically they are like numbers wise accepting of, Mm -hmm. hey, we might need more athletes on the team. Um, There's so many different events. You know, it's very different than you know, basketball, there's only so many people you can have on the court at one time, right? But, you know, track is that sport that you you can reach out to the coach and, and ask about open tryouts or being a walk-on and see where it happens. This is a very welcoming mm-hmm. sport in that sense. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So, and I think, I think, you know, I'm similar in that regard of just like making friends throughout my lifetime has been through sport. And that's such an important reason for girls and women to stay involved in sports, you know, no matter what life challenges or nutrition struggles or body struggles or changes we might be going through is like the importance of staying in sport just to have the social Mm -hmm. connection and friendships. Yeah, I definitely think, like I said earlier, I've always been like an active lifestyle person, even as a kid. So I think even if I wasn't running or hadn't like gone down that path to get on a team, I would still be running. Yeah. Yeah still be outside. So as you just reached out to this coach, obviously (laughs) um, you were very good and got very good very fast. Like, (laughs) I'm just curious, like what your coach was just like, oh my gosh, this is a blessing and like had no clue who was about to walk onto their team. (laughs) Just kind of dropped into their lap. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they knew pretty early on. I think they could tell that there was something there and they did a great job of like, fostering that with me too and letting me know like I think you can be really good at this and we're going to push you and then they taught me a lot too because I had no idea anything about running no one in my family is a runner so I wasn't exposed to a lot of that stuff like shoes or watches training plans like what it was to do a workout a lot of learning yeah yeah Uh, and they were great and my teammates were really great too at like teaching me all of that there was like an initial period where they were a little miffed that this girl just walked on to this D1 team and like they had to like run through high school and get recruited. But they, yeah, credit to them because they gave me a chance to prove them wrong and they were really helpful along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they did give you that chance of supportive teammates and even helping you, you know, because mm-hmm. yeah, maybe there was a little bit of animosity of like, I've been doing this, you know, yeah. for years, you have <laughs> no clue. Did just yeah. show up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they were in your shoes, you know, if the tables were reversed, I think this is a really important thing to keep in mind for anybody on a team is like, you never know what somebody's going through. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, so I just keeping that open mind and being accepting. So helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're going to kind of like jump ahead because then immediately, at least in your athletic career, we're going to jump ahead here. Post-college, you did sign a professional contract right away. And then like throughout the last couple of years, it's like, okay, so track and field. And then in the pro contract, it was track and field, but also road racing. And then more recently, you've gotten into the trails and mountain running and stuff, which again, I think I'm not even going to ask you what your favorite is because I think that's the whole point is yeah. that you can do it all. You like doing it all, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of being a role model for other athletes that you don't have to always pick one thing. You can, yeah, you can do it all. But maybe the question I do want to ask you is like, what is your favorite thing about each? Like, what's your favorite thing about doing a track race? You know, get doing steeplechase versus what's your favorite thing about a road half marathon or a mountain race? Hmm. I gotta be honest, track is definitely not my favorite. Okay. There's, yeah, that's definitely like the least favorite of them all. But I, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. So I don't like track because it exposes you. But when you do PR on the track, it is very definitive. And mm-hmm. you can say like, I absolutely am better than I was last time. And that's a pretty cool feeling, especially when you're like working towards something specific. It's very like black and white proof that you got better. And by that same token, very proving if you got worse too. So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can understand that maybe <laughs> something we don't like about it, but also something that could be really right <laughs> makes you feel good when you're on the path of accomplishment. Yeah, and running fast is fun, so I do enjoy that from time to time. But I think the the roads 
I kind of see it as on, on a spectrum of like track here, road in the middle, and then trail on the other end. And we're moving from like intense to least intense or yeah. like least amount of variables to most amount of variables that you have totally. to deal with. And I do like that about road and then even more so on the trail of like, you don't know what the course looks like. The weather could totally change things mm -hmm. on the trail. It doesn't matter if it's a windy day, like you can still have a great race and run fast and on the road and the track, you usually can't run that fast in the wind. So I like that. And just like the technical portions of trails and the views, I get to go to some of the coolest places with trail running that like track and road would not take me to. So I really appreciate that. And, but I still like running fast. And so the road is nice. Um, cause I do think at the end of the day, I'm like a pretty good rhythm runner. Yeah. And I just love getting like a nice rhythm on the road and you can just like click off miles. That's a great feeling too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with all of those. And, and I do also see that spectrum and how roads are kind of in the middle of like, mm -hmm. you know, you can get in the rhythm, you can focus on speed and time, yeah. but there's still so many elements that it's, you know, not quite as definitive as a track yeah. race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the Fast Track to Overcome Disordered Eating and Use Food as Fuel to Perform at Your Highest Level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one -on -one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay. Now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. Yeah, amazing. And then also your passion for the trails, you know, growing into that as a runner. But I think as you already shared, like as a, a youth athlete and stuff, you're just like an outdoor adventurer because you grew up in, am I correct in saying you grew up in Utah? Yep. Yeah. In Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you live in Montana now? I'm in Flagstaff most of the oh, year. Oh, you're in Flagstaff most of the yeah, year. Yeah, and then Montana and then Salt Lake. I just found it on the line. So you're in those like places where, you know, whether it's hiking, trail walking, trail running, mount climb mountain climbing is just like such a part of your lifestyle. So it seemed seems like an obvious thing that you would, you know, get into doing yeah. <laughs> trail racing and mountain racing. Yeah. Yeah. Once I had that realization, I was like, oh, that does seem obvious, but it was not always that obvious. Coming out of college, that's not really a pipeline to come out of the NCAA and go to trail running. No. So, yeah. and hopefully we're making some moves towards changing that. I hope that my story is. And then with the trail team that we started this year, I hope that that's helping too. But yeah, you don't, in an NCAA, like no one says, are oh, you going to go do trail running? Because I think it's kind of looked at as like a second tier thing to professional road and track running. Yeah. So that was not an option to me at first. And then I realized why not? I should make this an option. Well, and I think that runners such as yourself are changing that I kind of feel the shift as an, as an, as a spectator of the, of the sport. <laughs> I'm feeling that shift oh, where. Good. The trail and mountain running is, you know, even just the fact that we're having sponsored athletes in in that sport. Where yeah. ten years ago it was kind of just people just running out in the trail, yeah, and now out of their car, <laughs> right, right, which is yeah. still cool, and we yeah. still respect that. But it is like, oh no, that like these are professional runners that can do this as well and make a career out of it as well. Yeah. Yes, 
yeah, I'm noticing that shift as a spectator and a fan for sure. And I think you're, you know, you're part of that for sure. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Cause sometimes from the inside, it's like, I mean, I hope we're shifting the needle, but it's hard to tell, but there have been Lauren Gregory and Anna Gibson are both so good on the track and they're graduating this spring. One has the collegiate record and the DMR and one was runner up in the mile and indoors. And they're both, they want to do trail running and track and road. And so that in my mind is like, okay, it's working because we're getting people like to follow this right out of college and they see it as an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would also think, and I think you have personal experience with this as a, as a athlete and injuries as you've experienced, like I would think actually mixing it up between track road and trail is probably, you know, it's all still running, but it's a kind of cross training in a sense of you are utilizing different biomechanics, different muscle groups, and might even, you know, help you when you think about longevity of your running career. Definitely. Yeah. And I think even like in my past, I didn't grow up running. I played soccer and other sports. And I think that contributed to me not getting injured at all during college. I've had like one major injury the whole time I've been running college and professional. So I do think that that is like huge. And whether that's different disciplines of running or even like biking and skiing and like other forms of training. And I think someone made a good point the other day. It doesn't have to be cross training. It can all be part of training. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like supplementing to running. You can see biking is just part of your training. Mm-hmm. I think that's been really helpful too, of just like, yeah, using different muscle groups, like you said, and mixing it up. Yeah. I also, I don't know if this is like my age showing, <laughs> but like when I use the word cross training, I just immediately think of elliptical. Yeah. And just like, this just sounds awful. Do you do that too? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I do. Cause I think, yeah, when people say cross training, it's usually runners and then they're like only ellipticaling or like stationary biking. Yeah. I'm like, you can go outside with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to change our definition of cross training or maybe just like you said, just call it all training. Yeah. It's just all it's training. All training. <laughs> all training. It totally is. Anyways, <laughs> I'll think on that one a little bit more. But yeah, so I'm, gosh, I could just keep talking to you. We've been talking like 20 minutes already just about your training and running and things like that. But I also want to focus on nutrition. I know it's something you've had a lot of experience with. Like one, I think all athletes have, you have to have experience with nutrition. Yeah. But something that you've also been pretty vocal about your journey with fueling and nutrition and, and something I think you're, you're pretty passionate about as well. So it'll be mm-hmm. a fun thing to chat about. I kind of, I do want to open this up with the fact that you, you have shared uh, publicly before about some past struggles, like in high school with, mm-hmm. with eating. What, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely a control thing was where it was stemming from in controlling circumstances. High school was like probably for everyone a crazy time. And I feel like I was just doing so many things and trying to juggle so many balls and keep them all up in the air that that was like, oh, I'll control this one thing because nothing, everything else feels out of control. And yeah, it really came to like a head because my parents, they were like, you can do this. Like, because at that point I also was only playing soccer and um, like my biggest inspiration was like Mia Hamm and Mm -hmm. looking up to them and they were like, do you see them? And that they don't, they look strong and healthy and they're fueling their bodies. And if that is your goal, you cannot continue on this path. Yeah. And that really like flipped a switch in my head. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like as much as I would like to control this, I'm not going to get there where I want to go on this road. So I am grateful for them for that. And then it definitely was like a long process. Like I feel like now I'm finally to a point at 27 though, where I'm like, I'm pretty good. Um, Like definitely some thoughts cross my head, but uh, they're pretty easy to like pick out and be like, that was like an eating disorder thought or a disordered eating thought where it took like years of kind of bopping back and forth sometimes of like, I'm fine too. I'm not fine. So it was a very slow process, but it, yeah, with a lot of practice and effort, it has gone to a place where I'm like very comfortable with it. Yeah. I, I think there is a lot of bopping around, as you said, because I think for a lot of factors, first and foremost, like for you, that kind of root of like looking for control 
I mean, isn't that something we all look for in life as, you know, so, and, and then life, we go through these periods of like where things that really feel out of our control or things not. And, and so it makes sense that when control is kind of like the root problem of disordered eating, that this is something that we really, it's going to take time to learn new or healthier ways to control yeah. or, it, you know, ways to let go of control that still make you feel at peace with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then also maybe potentially because of your journey with athletics of like that shift from soccer to running and then even the shift from running to pro running. Like I think there's different experiences with food and body and sport mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like it's like maybe you overcame it in one sense, but then you were posed with a new challenge when you're now, you know, a top collegiate athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, yeah, there are different scenarios that we're like, okay, you leveled up. So now we're going to give you this one to deal with and learn how to work through. It did help having the experience of soccer to running because in soccer, smaller is not better. Yeah. And that was kind of the other end of the spectrum. Like I had coaches telling me that I could come play for them, but I had to redshirt a year to gain weight and that I wasn't big enough. And even at the college I ended up going to, they were constantly like, you're not big enough. You're not, you need to lift more. You need to eat more. And it was like really uncomfortable for me because I just felt like way too full all the time Mm -hmm. and just like bigger than I think my frame is meant to be. Like that's just not the size that I am and never will be. My twin sister is my size and I was trying to be like much bigger than that and I just couldn't do it. So then going to running, I could at least have the perspective of like, oh, these sports I'm just seeing like are just trying to kind of craft a certain body type. But that's not necessarily like what works for everyone. And then I got to running and people were like, oh, you're so tiny. You must be so fast. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like you were all just a minute ago telling me I was too small. And now you're saying it's a good thing. So in some ways that helped because I had that perspective. But yeah, going through the ranks, I've always had like new encounters where it tests me. It and tests you. Yeah. My um, ability to not let the disordered eating thoughts overcome or win. And the comments or judgments on body size take over. Cause like you said, it's like, okay, in soccer, it might've, it might've been just quotes around this for everybody listening, air quotes yeah. fly <laughs> everywhere sometimes in these conversations, but like it might've been, you know, healthier mindset in soccer to say, Oh, be strong, be bigger. But it also didn't necessarily line up with what was healthy for you and right for you. You know, we do all have a genetic blueprint. We, you know, our shoulders are only a certain size, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and that was pressure to, you know, be bigger or something that was maybe even somewhat abnormal to your body. Some of it maybe was healthy because you were coming from this place of kind of control and restriction around food and, and getting, that motivation to say, okay, I need to be strong was a really good motivation, but pushing beyond, you know, what naturally felt right for your body was a struggle. And then shifting into running, like then getting positive reinforcement for your smaller frame also wasn't like a healthy thing. And I think this is just kind of proof of, you know, one, a testament to why your journey with nutrition and body, like it is a journey because we're always tested, mm-hmm. but it's also proof as to why just as a society, like these comments and judgments about people's body sizes are just so harmful and ridiculous. Right. And none of it had any basis. Like I never, I wasn't a better soccer player because I was force feeding myself way too much food to try and get to a different size. And I'm not a better runner because I am small and wanted to be smaller. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, the smallest I've been running is not the fastest I've ever been. Mm. And the biggest I was playing soccer was not the best I was at soccer. So in my head, I'm like, okay, these don't correlate like at all, really. It's just up to how I feel is really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. And it's it's so helpful for people to remember that it's really truly not about the the size or the weight, but it's about respecting your body and what your goals are and going. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
So with nutrition, like it's, you know, working through the control aspect of food and then working through the role of nutrition and, and body size, you know, it's certainly been a journey for you, but you're in a, a good place now and it doesn't matter. It, it's also a journey. I just want to state the obvious. It's a journey because we eat every day. So it's like something that's like, it's not this like, oh, I got this certification, something I'm good now. It's like, it's yeah. a repeated process of nourishing, fueling, and caring for your body, mm-hmm. you know, every day. And we encounter new life phases and stuff. Fans, I hope you are enjoying the conversation. We are going to take a quick pause so I can tell you about our partners. They are so valuable in providing you with amazing products and helping keep this podcast going. First, Prevenix. Thanks to their incredible Joint Health Plus product, my aches and pains from running and honestly being a new mom, as crazy as that sounds, have literally disappeared as I continue to push my body physically as an athlete and frankly, as I continue to age, I was shocked at the aches I was beginning to feel in my knees, wrists, ankles. It seemed like omega-3s, curcumin, nothing was really working, but after just one month of Joint Health Plus from Prevenix, I felt a drastic improvement. Honestly, this is something I rarely experience with supplements, but Prevenix uses quality ingredients backed by sound science. Their products are pharmaceutical grade with extensive testing for safety, quality, and purity. They offer other supplements, including probiotics, omega, immune health, and a multivitamin, which I also use daily. And the science behind their multi has changed my opinion on multivitamins altogether. I used to never recommend them or take them myself. And now I recommend and take Prevnex multivitamin, mineral, and antioxidant plus daily. I am so impressed with Prevnex and I can't wait for you to try. You can get 15% off your first order using the code RISEUP at checkout. The company also offers 100% money back guarantee within 30 days because they stand by their products. And so do I. Head to Prevnex.com, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code RISEUP, one word at checkout for 15% off. For nutritional shakes and bars to fuel your body, head to Orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30 for 30% off your first order. Orgain's ready-to-drink nutritional shakes are my go-to to throw in my bag when I'm heading to the gym or to a trail to run so that when I'm done, I've got a recovery option to refuel and rehydrate with right away. Orgain makes nutrition and sports nutrition that works. For repeat customers, check the show notes for more. And again, first-time customers, head to Orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30, all caps. And last, ladies, moms, every mom is an athlete. That's why Jen and Carrie have designed the best nursing and pumping sports bras. I cannot rave about these enough. I hate that most maternity bras have clips and don't support being active, but Jen and Carrie get that because they're moms and athletes themselves. They want you to be a mom and an athlete. So their stylish and athletic high-impact bras allow you to crush your workout and then feed your baby with comfort and style. They have saved me during this time of my life, keeping up with sport and momming. Please go check them out at jenandcarry.com and use the code RISEUP10 for $10 off your order. You won't regret it. Again, jenandcarry.com, RISEUP, all caps, RISEUP10 for $10 off. Let's get back to the episode. I think I'd love to ask you kind of a, a sports nutrition question. Going back to this concept of you being a runner on the track and the roads and the trails, are there any, for you personally, any like different approaches to fueling in these different sports or things that work for you, whether in day-to-day or like race day, like any differences for you? Not really, because my training really does not change much depending even if I'm doing a trail race or a track race like the day-to-day training looks pretty much the same race day I'm usually pretty nervous and a little nauseous so that's just like whatever you can get down is good like (laughs) it doesn't matter what it is yeah and then like before always try and have like a nice dinner to make sure at least if you can't eat too much in the morning you've got a good dinner in you but that's pretty much doesn't matter what surface I'm racing on. Like I would do that regardless. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of your training, your fueling is for your training, which is similar. Yeah. And then it's just, oh, what's my race, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. showing up there. Yeah. I'd love to chat about your recent half marathon because that's a big, you know, just accomplishment of a PR and Olympic trials qualifying time for the mm-hmm. 2024 yeah. <laughs> Olympics. Yeah. I don't know if you have any just for listeners to share any like race day fueling or hydration tactics that that you used or like worked well for you. I didn't eat or drink anything for the half. Yeah. For during. Yeah. I think I don't know that many pros do because it's only a 70 minute race. So you're only and you're like at about threshold. So it kind of works out that it ends like right about when you'd start to need fueling. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had pasta the night before, Mm -hmm. which is like a typical pre-race meal for me. And that was it. It was really rainy and wet that day too. So I didn't even have like water on course because I just didn't feel like I wasn't sweating. It wasn't could just open my mouth and <laughs> the rain would fall in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pasta the night before, do you have anything like on race day before or after that's like a usual go-to for you that you just know is like something you love or makes your body feel good on race day? Before, again, it's kind of like whatever I can get in that doesn't make me feel like I want to so Those nerves. <laughs> yeah. Those nerves get to you. Yeah. So I usually bring a couple options from home in my suitcase and I brought like a Bobo's Oat Bar this time. Mm-hmm. A like, it's a Pop-Tart kind of, but not Pop-Tart brand. They're like no frosting and it's like a little less sugar. A couple of those types of things and then oatmeal. And then just waking up race morning, like, what can I eat and get down? I think I had a banana, too. I can usually yeah. choke down a banana. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, definitely like a recovery drink or mostly after hard workout. Sometimes it's harder to travel with like the mixes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like like branch chain amino acids after harder workouts and or protein, depending on like what the day looks like. Yeah, stuff like that and hydrating probably. Yeah, I've got a, a client I'm working with right now too that that um, pre-race meal and fuel is just such a struggle with just, yeah, I think we all experience anxiety, nerves, yeah. um, but I've got a client right now that it's just like, it's really a struggle and it's just, you know what, we bring lots of options. Yep. Definitely the carb-focused foods you were mentioning, like the, the Pop-Tarts, the oatmeal, the oat bars and bananas, and then you bring more, definitely more than you need because then you pick and choose on race morning, yeah. like what's working. And maybe you have a bite of one thing and then it's like, that's not going to work. And so you do a bite of something else, but like you'll get it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my goal is just get something in. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I love that. So maybe just some like fun nutrition questions okay. I can ask you too, because like, as you said, it's been a journey with your relationship with food and stuff like that. So I liked, yeah, I think just like, in my opinion, somebody who's gone through some hardships with nutrition also has like some insights as to like, what are some of the things that have helped me the most? It's like Mm -hmm. almost in a weird way in, in some senses, we can be grateful because it's like, you know, adversity really helps you, I think, grow as a person, right? And maybe even learn more about the importance of fueling and how to do it in such a fun way. Throughout maybe the past 10 plus years, like you said, you've been bopping around with your journey with nutrition. Like, What are some of the things that have been the most impactful or like biggest lessons learned? This is a pretty loaded question, I realize. But like, just things in your journey that you're like, it was a good thing that I worked through that and overcame that because now that's something that like really helps me. I guess just in general, like the thoughts of disordered eating and learning like what is your end goal and will this path lead you there? Almost always the answer is no if disordered eating thoughts are involved. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been helpful to learn and also doing it. I I learn really well by like doing so really committing to that and like making sure I'm fueling without thinking or overthinking it and then seeing the results follow in my competitions has been impactful and made me realize like you shouldn't care like what your body looks like if it's doing what you want it to do or if it's winning races like 
maybe I'm unhappy with it, but if it's winning races, then I need to be happy with it or at least yeah. respect it because it's doing what I want it to do at the end of the day. And yeah, I guess I realized too, like winning races to me is more important than looking a certain way, mm-hmm. which is sometimes hard to grapple with. But if I really, really had to pick one, I would pick the competition side of things. And that's mm-hmm. what means the most to me. Yeah. And, and winning races, but also just like, I think the th- the thrill of participation can probably be thrown in there too. Like Mm -hmm. making sure that your body, as you were saying, is doing something that you want it to do, living the life that you want to, getting to be able to train, show up every day, participate, sign up for these races. And I think that's wonderful advice for people to what it really ask themselves, what is the end goal here? Mm -hmm. And I think envisioning your future, be it one month from now, one year from now, 10 years from now helps you in that moment. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that day or that meal or that bite, make a decision that will allow you to be the person you want to be one year from now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Huge, hugely powerful. That's one of the things that we, we definitely do like with our clients and stuff is, you know, sometimes we're, we're we might be focusing on you know, that one meal, but it's not about that meal. It's about how that, you know, how that shapes you into the person you're trying to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's hard too, right? That's a lot of deep thinking. (laughs) Like, oh, this is just a meal. And I have to like, so I know you've been a huge proponent and advocate for really kind of this holistic approach of, you know, get therapy, seek mental Mm -hmm. health help and things like that. Do you mind sharing with our listeners a little bit of like all the different forms of help or, you know, I don't know your, your terms, if you would call it treatment or help or just support that you've had to help you work through all of this. Yeah. I, um, medication I've been like, tried that before. Talk therapy has been helpful. Meditation has been helpful and learning like also that I think it's important too to learn like the type of meditation that like resonates with you Mm. because I think people think meditation they think like sitting still for like 30 minutes and that's great and I think if that is like really what works for you then that's awesome but you can also do like a walking meditation and I try and do it when I'm running too like I don't run with headphones and I think it's really great to just like okay, let's just listen to like the bird sounds and do I hear different bird sounds right now? Or does like, do my footstep sounds change on this trail? And just kind of really being present. I think there are a lot of ways you can be present. It doesn't have to be sitting on a cushion with your eyes closed, but that does help if that mm-hmm. helps for you. Yeah. So there's just like a lot of things you can do. And then I talked to like both a therapist and a sports psych. I think they're it's important to kind of differentiate those two and they're good for different reasons and they can help you with different areas. So having like access to both types has also been nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. When I was in college, we had free mental health services at my college and I did like this six week meditation course, but not like for coursework, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, something we could do is amazing. And that's when I learned, I have a vivid memory of the day that we did the walking meditation Uh because yeah, at that point in time, my knowledge of meditation was just like sit and I don't know what's going to happen. Right. (laughs) But, um, but, and I, we did every, it was like a six weeks. So I think we did six different types of meditation, but I vividly remember doing the walking meditation and it was very interesting. And so, yeah, I think that term meditation, when people really get into it, there's a lot of different ways it can work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And the one where I like the one too, I just remembered it's like five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can smell, two things you can touch, one thing you can taste and your eyes can be open for that. But I think too, like just going to sit outside somewhere and then practice that as being present has been helpful too. And that's a really nice one too, because for somebody who is doesn't think they have the time or is kind of just like overthinking or very stressed in the moment, it's yeah. like you can be anywhere. You can be right where you are right now and just do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even in, in a minute, you know, if we 
give more time to it might be better, but like, it's just something that's a very grounding yeah. exercise that anybody can do at any time. You don't need any resources or training. Mm-hmm. You just do it. And it's very grounding. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I can really tell from you, Grayson, like all your, your life experiences to date also really shape that, like, I don't know, just your, your thoughtfulness. You're, you're very somebody who's like kind of thinks deeply. I think you've, whether it's because you've had to or you're just like that innately. And, and I think that's so interesting then how, you know, you, you know, started these journals, I think for yourself, right? Your bullet mm-hmm. journals, something that I can see through this conversation we're having, something that just was working for you to help you in, in your life, achieve your goals, mm-hmm. be grounded is kind of bullet journaling. And you, did this for yourself. And then it was like, Hey, this can be something that helps other people too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it was hand drawn and people kept asking, I'd like have it out working on it or using it. And they're like, where did you buy that? And I was like, I drew this, you cannot buy it anywhere. And the first version actually was basically like everything I had hand drawn just got superimposed and printed. Mm -hmm. So all of the images in the first one are hand drawn images which was fun looking back. It's like totally different. It has evolved so much from the first version to now, but it has been fun to share that with people and then see that not only does it like help me, it helps all these other people and they think that it's useful too. And that's pretty validating of like, okay, we must be on like a good path if a lot of people are saying this is working for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, it's just so fun when you have something that is working for you and to be able to share that with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's okay. It's this business thing, but it's, it didn't start because you were like, I want to start a business. It started because this is something that you, that that's, you know, bringing goodness to your life and can bring goodness to other people's lives. It's been a fun way to connect with the running community outside of like my results or being a professional Mm -hmm. runner. It definitely helps me relate to people more and I hope it helps them relate to me more of like we can be competing at different levels, but still using the same tool and it's still effective for all of us. Mm -hmm. And like, just because you're a pro doesn't mean you don't need a training log Mm -hmm. and most of us have one also. So Mm -hmm. that's been fun too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So amazing. And this, this conversation totally went full circle. (laughs) <laughs> of you being more than just a runner, right? Yeah. And just embracing that, <laughs> yeah. like you're this oh amazing and inspiring athlete and and more than that, mm-hmm. and entrepreneur and and so much more. So I love it. Well, Grayson, I end every podcast with the same questions for everybody. Okay. Just for fun. Okay. <laughs> if there was one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Uh, wavy lace. <laughs> wavy lace. Uh-huh. Oh, so fun. I haven't heard that one before. It has to be wavy lays and not ruffles because there's a big difference. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have to put that to the test because I can't like, I I definitely agree that the wavy chips are better than plain, like flat chips. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I will have to compare wavy lays to ruffles myself. (laughs) I'll put it to the test and let you know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What? Seems like an obvious answer, but it totally might not be. So, okay. What's your favorite sport to participate in? Running. I was going to say trail running, um, but running. Yeah, in general. Awesome. <laughs> How about as a spectator? What's your favorite sport to be a fan of and watch? Probably any sport that I have like a friend or my sister or someone I know competing in. Yeah. Uh, I just love being like a fan and like their biggest fan. So I don't care what sport it is. I'll be there cheering. <laughs> it's the connection yeah. that's important for you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, yeah, absolutely. I get that. <laughs> love it. Okay. And then last question, if there's a female athlete out there other than yourself that you want to give a shout out to for being an inspiration, a role model for any reason, who would that be and why? Oh my gosh. I just, oh, I hate this question because I always have so many. <laughs> I know it's hard. I probably don't have one, but just like my friends that were at U.S. Mountain Running Championships with me last weekend, they inspire me. And just seeing them like the weather was horrendous on Sunday, but we were all out there smiling. We all raced, got super muddy, fell down and everyone was still out there like giving it their all. And that's just like cool to me. And to be able to call them friends is awesome. And Mm -hmm. we get to go to Austria together now. So 
it's just super cool to have like these badass women here, like putting themselves through it right alongside me. I love that. Amazing. And I think another kind of shout out to the growing trail and mountain running community as well. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Cool. Well, Grayson, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing with our listeners more about your, your story, who you are, and all that you've accomplished in your journey with nutrition. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, if you are a true fan of female athlete nutrition, then I would love if you could support our podcast by spreading the word. Share a review on your listening channel. Give us five stars. It really helps get the word out and get the show more views to positively impact others. Also, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to consider a donation or even better, join our membership where you get extra monthly content and perks. We don't want you to simply listen alone. We want you to be a part of a community and a movement of fierce, fit, and fueled female athletes. So patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition is where you can do exactly that, learn more, and join. A huge thanks to our affiliates and partners as well. Once again, Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, Jen and Carrie. Please go check them out and their links in the show notes where you can get deals and discounts. Last, be sure that you do more than just listen. If you need help with fueling, it's time to take action. Head to my website to learn more. You can either book a free call with me to learn more about our coaching programs and how we can work directly with you, whether it's the fast track or otherwise. Or you can take our online self-study course, Female Athlete Nutrition. You can literally sign up and gain access right now. You can explore our downloadable products, including the Red S Recovery Guide, High Iron Fueling Guide, Or if you are a coach of a team, check out our brand new coaches toolkit for teams. You can also just learn more. We have a blog, a Red S quiz to see if Red S is affecting you. If you need help, I want you to get help fast. Too many girls and athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. You can rise up with the power of nutrition, take action today in any of these avenues, and become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time.